morning. It looks like it's going to be a pretty day, isn't it? Or at least it is right now where we are, right here. It's good to see everybody. We're going to be in Third uh, John this morning, if you didn't see. I, I didn't tell the guys on the readings here in the last two weeks that they get to read the whole letter. That sounds like it's a whole lot more than what it is, but uh, it's good. Before we get into our lesson, let's have our prayer together, please. Our Father, our Creator, God over all, we come to you. And we know, Father, we know that you are beyond our imaginations. That your power is greater than we could ever, ever even picture. When you brought this world into existence, all the stars, the skies, the seas, all that exists. We know, Father, that you, after each day, said it was good. And at the end of it all, you said it was very good. But at times, Father, we, in your creation, we look around us and all we see is how things have gone wrong. So we ask, Father, for your help. To help, to help us to see what is still good. To be in awe of your creation. The vastness of the night sky. And the creatures, the fish and the birds, all that is. To be able to look at your creation and see the good that is there. And even, Father, to look around us at the people that we interact with each day, to be able to look at each one and see the good that is there. Maybe even more challenging, Father, we ask that you'll help us to be able to look in the mirror and see the good in ourselves, how we have grown and changed, how we are who you want us to be in many ways. We, we know, Father, that we still need to grow need your help, but help us to see what is that's good, and to know that, that in that, what can be, we can grow, we can become more of who you want us to be, and we can encourage each other in that. We're grateful, Father, for the life you've given us, not only in this world, this physical life, but the life you've given us through your Son. We look forward to that day that we'll be, we'll be all together with you. It's through Jesus we pray. Amen. Yesterday, Beth and I and several others from here got to go hang out in Abilene and celebrate Zyra. Not that y'all may not know Mike, her, her husband now, but Zyra and Mike in their wedding yesterday afternoon and get to enjoy that moment with them. But life Life has moments where we celebrate. All of us have those times. What do we do when a baby takes their first steps? What do you all do? You don't have to think about it, do you? We clap, don't we? We say yay. We get all excited. We celebrate when they take their first steps. If you don't, you need to hang around babies more often. But every step, when we grow, when we improve, when we hit milestones in life, at birthdays, when we celebrate, we're so glad that you're here. We get to celebrate the, that you are here every birthday. We get to celebrate days and events and, and things that go on. We celebrate 
as our children, <laughs> we celebrate when our children hit those achievements of being able to drive. Maybe not celebrate that as much because it worries us. But we celebrate when they move on, when they when they uh, get grown, when they when they find themselves in, in school and in their work. We celebrate, and like Zyra, when they find somebody they love and they make a commitment to each other, we celebrate. We celebrate when the babies come along. We celebrate every moment. And when we look at that, in those celebrations, I think that's something that we need to, to remember for every new year, for everything that goes on, that we see in this moment something that is good. We, we just got to the point of the year, now as we started it, that we will wish each other a happy new year, don't we? And we want everybody to have that. And it's not just the day, not just last Sunday where we had the first, where we wish happy new year for the day, but we really want everybody to have a good year in the in the months and years to come, happy new year, things to go well ahead of you. So when we look at at 3 John, he begins in talking about something just like that. He says, dear friends, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you. Now, that that idea of all may go well with you is actually the phrase that I I wish for you a, a prosperous journey. Have you all ever, we don't use that kind of phrase much anymore, do we? I want you to have a prosperous journey. And when we talk about that for for a time, when we talk about a year, when we talk about things to go on, that we wish somebody that things will go well for them. We know we want things that might get in the way to be taken out of the way. We want them to to find success in what they're doing and achievement. We want them to, to be able to have health and good health in the years to come. We want things to go well for them. But there's a, a second part of this that we need to be aware of. Because not only does he tell him, I want you to have, a pro- may you have a prosperous journey. What he tells them is also, I want everything to go as well for you in your life as is going on in your soul. Now, he reframes it a little bit, doesn't it? Because when we talk about having a, new, a happy new year, when we talk about having a prosperous journey, we know what we have in mind for that. But when you think about the idea of even as your soul is getting along well, even as your soul is having a prosperous journey already, because it's the same word as he lays that out. When he talks about it from that perspective, it's like, how do you measure the year to come? How do you measure how well things will be? What will make it a good year for you? What comes to mind when you hear that? And I think John will remind us that the way we measure life will have an impact on how we view how well it's going. Because when you think about that measure, if everything is going well for us spiritually, if our soul is healthy, are we having a good year? And there's where he gets us, because he he wants us to have this picture in mind. That we may not find success in, in, in matters of work or material things. We may have struggles that come up, but if we get to the end of this year and we can celebrate together that our souls are healthy, that we have grown, that we've become more mature in what God has in his mind, are we, have we still had a good year? There are things we can add to it, but I think there's where our focus needs to be in so many ways to remind us what really matters. We, we know that in life, don't we? 
we, we have the phrase where we talk about when somebody gets to their deathbed, they don't wish they spent more time in the office, that they think about the time they spent with family and friends and those they love. It's the same kind of concept. So when we talk about having a healthy soul, when we talk about having things go well for us spiritually, what, is, what, does, that, what does that look like? How do we frame that? What do we put that together? And I think in this short, simple letter that John gives us an idea of what it looks like for us to do well spiritually. As we look forward to the year to come, what does it look like for us to, to be healthy in our soul, to do well and succeed spiritually in matters to come? And uh, here, I'm going to give you a side note so I don't get distracted later with it. You, if, depending on the version of the, the translation you're using of the Bible, you may see your version may have 15 verses. Or it may have 14 verses. Now, I got you all curious. You'll have to go look. But depending on which version you have, it may be 14 or 15 verses. You go, is there anything different? Well, the difference is you have some versions that follow the Textus Receptus. Here, where's it going? The, the version that the Greek text that was used to translate the King James. And it had 14 verses. And then we got some, some the more modern Greek texts, the ones that, that it got to improve because of, of what discoveries and all that came on. And so some of the newer versions, now the NIV followed, like in our reading, that followed the same format of the, the King James. But you get into some others and you'll find they have 15 verses because the, the newer Greek texts have 15 verses. Now that's just a fun little note because you know who added the verses? People. But the words are still the same. So that's just a fun thing to look. All right. So I, I'll get distracted with that later. So I don't want to get that out of the way so we don't get distracted. So the idea of how well we're, we're doing spiritual, I think he begins with the concept of saying, okay, are we being faithful? What does faithfulness look like? And he answers this question very simply and easily for all of us so we don't have to go through all kinds of hoops and all kinds of struggles and all kinds of complicated things. He boils it down to remind us, here's what really matters. If we're going to be faithful, if we're going to, to grow spiritually, if we're going to be prosperous in our journey ahead spiritually with God, here's what we need to have in mind. First thing, he says, we live by what God says. We're walking in the truth. In the guidance that we have. So we have from verse 1 on down to verse 4. He says, the elder to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. And he starts out, just like in Second John, love and truth go together. He says, dear friend, I pay, pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. It gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth. Did you all hear the celebration there? It gave me great joy. When I heard about that you being faithful to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. And so when he, when he gives that kind of picture of walking in the truth, faithfulness is going to be based on whether or not we, we look to what God has in mind for us and if we're living by that. And that's, a, that's an important prospect because he's not asking us whether or not we believe what God said is true. That's, that's an easy answer. He's saying, are you living by what is true? Are you living by what God says ought to be? And as he puts that together for us, he said that it, the challenge for us isn't just saying, yes, that's what is right and that's good and everybody ought to be doing that. It is, do we take a hold of that and we put it into our lives and we try to live it out? Because that can be difficult at times. To live it on out because we have to grow in our knowledge of what God says. We have to grow in our knowledge, our understanding of what God says to be able to live it in some way. To change how we talk, to change the attitude that we carry around in our hearts, to change the decisions and choices that we make, the actions that we take in life. If we, if we allow God to direct them, we'll, that will be seen in how we live. 
And so we've got to know that we don't just say, yeah, I, I believe what's true. It's do people around us see us living by what God says, walking in the truth. Simple. Sometimes we can say it so easily, but we have to, to remember, he's not asking us, do you believe what's true is true? He's saying, have you made it part about, of who you are? Are you looking at what's there and saying, what does this mean? How do I live this? Because when we talk about the truth, it, it's got to be put into action. It's got to be part of who we are in every aspect of things. The second part he gives us, for faithfulness. It's seen in whether we love and care for others. And you go, wait a minute, we talked about the truth. Now, you got to remember John, he doesn't separate love and truth. They go hand in hand. So you can't talk about the truth and then skip over love. Or you can't talk about love and skip over truth. That they go together. And so in his idea of faithfulness, when he talks about this is what it means to be faithful to God, he says we live by what's true, we love others, we take care of others as we go along. So verses 5 to 8, he says, Dear friend, you are faithful in what you're doing. Faithful in what you're doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. Please send them on, a, on their way in a way that honor, in a manner that honors God. It was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. We ought, therefore, to show hospitality to such people so that we may work together for the truth. Now, when we talk about love, just like living by the truth, sometimes we, we, we jump ahead and, and don't, we don't think about what does that mean for me in my life. Loving other people is another way that another thing that we might think, yes, we need to be loving. And we jump ahead and we don't stop. What does that mean for our lives? How do we live that out? Because it's something to be put into practice no matter what we have going on. And so he says, first off, he, he let me get my, my brain back on track. First off, he says, it wasn't, the love wasn't based on whether or not he knew, they knew them. Did y'all catch that? They were strangers to him. Loving them was based upon who he was. And so when we talk about loving others, he's saying this is based upon who you are and how you've, you've determined and decided to live your life, that you want to do what God wants you to do so you love others, even though you may not know them, even though they may be strangers to you, that this is who you are in your life, that you, you love them and you treat them in a way that God wants them to be treated. And, and another part of this is the hospitality. You know what hospitality is? Love put into practice. Making people feel at home. We can say, I love you, but that, that, does that necessarily mean that you feel like you've been loved? To love somebody, we have to go a little bit more, don't we? We have to get to know who they are. We have, to, we have to be active. We have to be practical. Hospitality means we make them feel at home. To where they can be with us. Be comfortable with us. So they know that they're cared for in that moment. Practically. Lived it, lived it out. Live it out. So that, that idea of faithfulness. Two very simple things. But when we ask ourselves, are we being faithful to God? Or how do we grow in our faithfulness to God? We know that it's, it's a matter of how we live this out. How it changes our words. How we talk. How it changes our attitudes. What we carry around in our hearts. How it changes our actions. And what, living by the truth. Loving others is seen in all of those. Together. 
Now, another part of, of spiritual health isn't just a matter of I live my life in a good way. It's also a measure of how we influence the people around us. Because every one of us, we live in a world full of people, don't we? Now, some of y'all wouldn't mind becoming hermits and living in a cave someplace. That sounds like a vacation. You could enjoy it. Some of y'all living in a cave someplace would sound like torture. Now, wherever our feeling is about people, we live in a world full of people. So everywhere we go, there are people around us. And because there are people around us, whether there are people in our homes where we live, whether there are people in our neighborhood where we, and people at where we work or where we, everywhere we go, because we're surrounded by people, we have to determine, we have to know that the way we choose to live, who we are, has an impact on every person in our lives. So we have to, to realize that and look at how much, how, how is our influence on the people around us? How are we influencing people around us? How are we making a difference? And so he gives a contrast of two different ways that we can have that kind of influence. First, he talks about diatrophies. Now, you look at diatrophies and you're thinking, my goodness. But we may, say, we may look at him and go, he has to be about the worst person you've ever heard of. But the reality is he's right smack in the middle of that church and part of that community and having a negative impact on it. For one, he says, I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first, will not welcome us. Here, part of the problem he's got is that who is, he, who is he worried about? Who matters to Diotrephes most of all? Diotrephes. Himself. And so what he guides his life based upon is what he wants. How he wants things to be. He wants everything to go how he wants it to come. And so he, he uses his influence to get what he wants out of what, what needs to be. And so when we look at all those pieces together, we know that that's not something that's good. That's unhealthy. That's immature in being all about yourself. That everything is guided about who you want and what you want to have happen. Now it goes on. It's not just a matter of focusing on himself. It says, when I come, I will call attention to what he's doing, spreading malicious nonsense about us. Not satisfied with that, he even refuses to welcome other believers. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. So once he makes it about himself, then he treats other people based upon that. So if, if you're not going along with Diotrephes' plan, he will exclude you and push you away. He will mistreat you. I, I love that phrase, malicious nonsense. We need to use that in a conversation sometime. Because that just kind of rolls pretty well. But that, when you think about it, here Diotrephes is being framed as somebody who mistreats others with their words, with their actions. He divides the body of Christ because of what he's got going on and what he has in mind. And when you look at that, you know that his influence on other people is not what it needs to be. He is not being faithful to the word because of the impact he's had on, on the people around him. So let's go to part two. Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. So a healthy faith, a healthy faith that influences others in a way that is good and positive does what? It provides an example to follow. It is seen. When we live by the truth, it's seen. And other people go, that's the way that happens. When we love other people, it's seen. And people learn how to do that. Say, oh, I would love to be able to handle difficult people like they handle difficult people. Have you ever seen somebody do that? Have you been impressed by somebody's ability to, to, no matter what other people are like, they're able to be who they need to be in that moment no matter what? And this is the example he talks about. We need to imitate what's good. We need to follow those examples. 
Those who are living out what God has in mind. Because we have that in our lives. Everything that we do that is good, and as we grow in that, we make a positive impact on the people around us. The other thing he does, Demetrius is well spoken by everyone, and even by the truth itself. We also speak well of him, and you know that our testimony is true. Our influence comes around because of our reputation. Who are we known to be? When people think about us, what comes to mind first? And have an influence on other folks, he says, by, like Demetrius. People look to Demetrius. When they talked about Demetrius, they go, let me tell you what, Demetrius, that's a good guy. They looked at him positively. They looked at him as somebody they knew he lived in a way that was good. His healthy faith was being seen, and everybody knew this is the kind of person he is. He had integrity, he had character. Everything that, that came together, they knew he was living out who, what he believed. It was a life lived, not just words. Verses 13 to 15. I see how 13 to 15, but y'all know 14 to cover two if your verse has that. It says, I have much to write to you, but I do not want to do so with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we'll talk, and we will talk face to face. Peace to you. The friends here send their greetings. Greet the friends there by name. Now that sounds like okay. He's just finishing up. P.S. Add a little bit down at the end of the letter. Well, we don't do P.S. anymore because we do email. Do, do I need to explain P.S. to anybody? Y'all come see me after. But when we when we look at the letter, we sounds like he's just kind of finishing up. We can go on in, in that process. But the reality is, when you read this, what you hear in John is. His connection to other folk, folks. And that's what healthy faith really boils down to, isn't it? That it's not something that's just about me. It is something that draws me and connects me to the people around me. That, I, that I'm there in their lives, helping them and doing what needs to be done. I'm there loving other people. And we have that connection. And I'm involved in other people's lives. He says, I'd, I'd love to write you, but I tell you what, it'd even be better if I can say it to you face to face. So you can, we can be there together. And we've got other folks who love you, and I want you to let you know that they are sending their hellos to you as well, that they, their love for somebody else. Do you all have people in your life where you go, tell so-and-so I love them? And this is what he says. They have that connection where they can share that and be part of that. So when we look at this whole picture of what John has in mind for us, when we think about what does it look, mean to be faithful, what does it mean to be healthy spiritually, he points out to us these things. He points out that we, we need to live by what's true, that we need to be people who love other folks, that we need to have an influence that's good and positive on the people around us. And then if, if we get to 2024, I'm still not used to saying 2023, but if we get to 2024, what are we going to celebrate then? I mean, isn't that what we're aiming for? Not just to talk about today, but to look at how we can be different in a year. How we can have grown. How can we have become better people in, in the way that we talk to each other? What will we have learned and put into practice that we can grow? You know, we celebrate with the children when they get to those education milestones. You, you've graduated. We have a big celebration. And we need to have that spiritually, that idea of I can see how you're different. And we celebrate that. I can hear how you've learned and, and grown in your understanding of God's Word. I can see how you've allowed that to guide how you live your life and you're putting it into practice. I can see the commitments that you made to other people and how you live that out. And we get to celebrate with each other as we get to those points, as we, as we grow in Christ and become who God wants us to be. Now, how do you want to celebrate next year? Who do you want to become? How will you grow? And maybe today we need to remind each other that we need to share with each other 
I want to be different. I want to be healthy in my faith. I want to live it out more. I want to be there for the people in my life. If you need prayers to help you make that commitment, we're here together to encourage each other. And if you'll let us know that, we'll pray with you or for you. And it may be today that you need to start this year by making your commitment to Christ, to put on, put Him on in baptism, to start brand new. You can do that today and look forward to what will be in your growth. If you need to respond, would you come down as we stand and sing? Mom.